Hello and welcome and welcome back to many of you to the Security Token Show. We're your hosts. I'm Hurry Konings and of course, Kyle Sondland as always, my co-host. How are you, buddy? What's going on, man? We have another great week of news. We're wrapping up the month here of December, December 8th. Only a couple more episodes left in 2023, but that is not stopping the momentum. And we got a little bit of our Basel fun here in Miami. Uh, I know we got a lot of events, a lot of friends in town. It's been great catching up and hearing all about the plans for 2024. But that didn't stop another great week in news for us to cover. So with that, let's get into the token debrief. And on a consistent streak here, we got our usual guest, Jason Barraza from STM. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Another fine Monday morning. Let's dive into the news, man. Well, it is time to kick us off with another great report. Last week, we did the same thing. We're trying to quantify the exact savings. And we've seen it yet again, I think almost on par with the same numbers, this time from Cashlink. Uh, as well as in, in, in conjunction with FinPlanet, their report estimates the cost savings on an eight-year bond could be 120 basis points. That's 1.2% of the value of the bond. So just to be clear, basically, they say that if you use DLT, they think there's an 85% reduction in middle and back office costs and say over the spread of an eight-year bond, the 120 basis point savings represents 15 basis points per year. So it's roughly like 15 million euros or every 10 billion in assets under custody as the example they gave. So very incredible stats, I think, given that the bond market is trillions in size. Kyle, Jason, what do you guys think? Jason, what's your thoughts? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's always it's always great to to see some quantifiable results coming out of you know third parties and whatnot. It's something that in the past we didn't have anything to point to, um, and so people are always asking, you know, why is tokenization such a big deal? Why do the institutions care? Um, and so the cost savings narrative now has some tangible ethos behind it. Um, so great to see these reductions. Obviously, as you mentioned, Herwig, they're in line with previous uh, reports that we've read and and talked about on the show. I do want to stress the fact that. Obviously, it doesn't account for all factors, you know, such as building new infrastructure to support, um, you know, front to back. But in the scenario that they did give, obviously, they're, they're good numbers. So um, once it is implemented, um, I'm curious to see, you know, OK, taking all costs into consideration, what's that final number going to be? Yeah, I want to reiterate the fact that you mentioned there, 15 million dollars or euros in savings on every 10 billion in assets under custody. And when we're talking about banks or institutions that have hundreds of billions of assets under custody, we're talking about, you know, close to 50 to 100 million euros in savings just by leveraging this technology that far surpasses the cost of potentially building out some of the infrastructure here. So very, very cool to see. Great report. And then to our next piece of news, we're talking about Red Swan. They are based in Houston, Texas. They are tokenizing real estate. They just launched a new announcement talking about a $4 billion real estate portfolio managed by a Dubai-based company called White Rocks Holdings. This is 36 mixed-use properties in the MENA region. And so this is 
office, multifamily, retail, industrial. They're really covering the whole gambit here on a $4 billion real estate tokenization project. This is some big news coming out of Houston as well as, as from the international efforts of, of the Middle East. Real exciting stuff there. You know, it's Red Swan has already tokenized $5 billion in the past. Now adding four billion just like that onto the record, it's it's really exciting to see. I'm sure a very exciting milestone for uh, the team over there at Swan CRE, led by Ed Nwaki. And we do have an interview coming up uh, later in the episode, you know. So we'll get to hear directly from Ed, you know, what his experience has been here uh, with this you know, project and what next steps look like. Uh, but you know, another note to 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 have on that region, by the way, guys, is you know, CBRE is suggesting a 5.7 percent growth rate. Uh, from now till 2028 with development hmm. pipeline at $1.4 trillion, guys. And so the fact that part of this um, portfolio does consist of prime development sites um, just speaks to the fact that, hey, like investors potentially could be getting some of that upside uh, considering that pipeline that CBRE is is talking about. Uh, but moving on to other new, oh, go ahead, Eric, you were going to mention something. I was just, uh, my key takeaway here is also Dubai. Once again, the Middle East skyrocketing uh, here, White Rocks Holding, which, you know, another clever name from the finance industry. Yeah, this is a 36 mixed use property, uh, you know, portfolio, billions in size. This is the sheer size and, and ease potential that this market can grow, right? All it takes is just bigger fish coming into the market with bigger portfolios. And next thing you know, 10 billion is commonplace, 20 billion. Suddenly, you're going to start seeing very large issuances uh, that, again, this is all about scale. So that was just my key takeaway. Please, Jason, what's what's the next bit of news you got? Well, next up, we do have uh, Basel Zurich, you know, tokenizing bonds to settle with the Swiss wholesale CBDCs. We covered this in episode 213. If you didn't watch it, please go back and, and check out. But, you know, back in that episode, we talked about how the Canton of Zurich was issuing a hundred million uh, CHF Swiss franc digital bond on six digital. And so following their footsteps, now we have uh, the city of Basel issuing their own 105 million uh, uh, Swiss franc bond using that same uh, infrastructure, the wholesale CBDC for settlement. Um, so, you know, these transactions are happening actively. We had them happen two Fridays ago. So, Happy to see some stuff here. Um, and so I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on, you know, why wholesale, wholesale CBDC is important, why things are happening now. Uh, yeah, any input, guys? Yeah, this is a market that just continues to expand because the opportunities of both cost savings as well as the additional enhancements that come from managing money on a digital ledger are just too attractive for larger central banks. And it presents a real opportunity to provide more debt offerings in a more sustainable way to try to prevent some of the craziness that comes with losing location on much of your outstanding monetary supply. So this is great to see. This is certainly not the first. It hasn't, it's just this momentum continues to grow on launching on-chain debt instruments. It continues to seem like this is the, the leading initiative and, and driver of a use case in 2023. Yeah, it's, it's funny how every region tends to like, you know, you look at the United States, you know, obviously I think fund admin and equities tend to be a focus for tokenization. If you go over to, to Germany and, and Europe and Switzerland, like that's more of a focus on bonds, same with the APAC. Uh, it's just I mean, real estate seems to be super hot out of Dubai and, and the Middle East. It's just it's uh, all pretty interesting takeaway. Uh, it's a global movement, folks, which is why we're headed over to Japan for my next bit of news. 
Uh, we saw that uh, Hitachi last week announced a five-year, $10 billion, nope, yen, <laughs> $69 million <laughs> U.S. dollars, uh, which is, by the way, significantly up from the $3.5 million uh, U.S. dollars that the, the bond that they did last year. But they're doing yet another digital green bond. Uh, it's in addition to issuing the unsecured uh, tokenized bond that they did. Hitachi developed the technology uh, to basically track green credentials, right? So this is a green bond ESG movement, if you will. Uh, and you need a solution that that industry is sort of a mess when it comes to tracking and referencing and validating uh, all kinds of ESG related or carbon credit related uh, issues. So this is a big deal because it's also in conjunction with the JPX, uh, just like I did, I believe it was last time around. Uh, and um, that's, by the way, the Tokyo Stock Exchange, and it's also underwritten by Nomura, uh, another leading investment bank. So you've got the exchange component, you've got the investment bank, you've got a very prominent issuer doing a you know pretty interesting green bond here. Uh, any any takeaways on this, guys? Great, seeing a lot more participation here. Obviously, we know that the APAC region is huge on bonds, as we've seen in our past reports of you know what we're tracking and so you know the same consortium that's participating in this one i mean this is a 10 billion yen five-year bond um that same consortium just participated just last year with jpx's own issued digital green bond but that one was just 500 million yen um and one year so i would consider that a little bit more of a pilot this is a little you know they're you know as we like to say you know crawl walk run um this so they're they're starting to get up there now good to see yeah the other the other interesting thing that i saw about this one and is it's unusual maybe it's i believe it might be the first but but guys correct me if i'm wrong this is an unsecured bond meaning that it doesn't seem like there's an underwriter there's not somebody that's actually backing the the collateral behind this debt instrument and so i think that that shows growing confidence in this technology that they're pretty sure that it's not going to go wrong um and and that they can leverage the technology to administer this offering more effectively. I think that that's fascinating to see the underlying financial components beginning to mature as well. So this is, I think, a, a step in the, the right direction with respect to these institutions being more comfortable launching debt products. And guys, into our last piece of news here for the token debrief, we're talking about Polygon and DigiShares. They are collaborating on building a framework for tokenization together and they are doing it specifically targeting tokenization and DeFi applications. So they're launching what they call the Decentralized ID Framework that the acronym is DITO. And the goal here is to actually provide infrastructure for staying compliant with KYC while still allowing for blockchain applications to function. So they're using Polygon's ID technology and then they're using um, DigiShares is tokenization technology in this collaboration. This is pretty cool to see because KYC is still one of those pieces that, that I think hasn't yet fully been adapted into these digital environments. We know there's a few different companies working on this, but a collaboration between a huge blockchain with significant adoption, as well as a leader in the tokenization space seems like a natural fit. Any thoughts from, from the rest of the team here? Yeah, uh, happy to jump in on this. Um, this is this is that holy grail opportunity for DeFi, right? DeFi and 
security tokens or RWAs are almost in a way at odds, uh, at least from the way that many of the crypto community see it as wanting things permissionless, but at the same time, bringing things from the real world if you, uh, on, on chain, right? So the, the reality is in order for it to actually work, it is going to have to have a middle layer identity technology that does KYC, AML checks, the whole shebang to make sure that you can actually create a safe uh, environment for the true maxis. Some of them, they may not uh, be all too uh, interested in something like this because they want that anonymity. They want to be able to do things without restriction. But the reality is for RWA movement to take advantage of fully DeFi functionality, right? Of being able to actually have permit, you know, a, a decentralized uh, lending protocol to, to leverage for your assets or to leverage an, an automated market maker that is sort of in this permission decentralized environment. That's still an awesome innovation. It's going to be revolutionary for uh, capital markets, but you're going to need something critical like this type of infrastructure that Polygon and DigiShares are building. So that is um, my feedback. Absolutely. We, you know, they're, they're integrating uh, some sub and fractal ID who have you know, some practice in this area. So there'll be some of the partners here. Um, and also just quick note, you know, this is when DigiShares did say that real estate.exchange, which is something that's coming in the next year or so, uh, will be one of the users, obviously, since they're in the same ecosystem. Um, and so this announcement just comes two weeks away from the closing of DigiShares uh, Reg CF offering on Republic. So if you are interested, um, obviously that's not investment advice, but if you are interested, check them out on Republic and you know you would be uh, participating in their capital raise with this news just coming out now. But with yeah, all that cool. said, point. Uh, yep. well, uh, I did also have a chance to recently interview uh folks from Steelwave. so if you haven't heard of them before let's go roll the clip all right another awesome security token show interview i am uh the pleasure to have both mitch and aaron from steel wave digital on the show today uh aaron mitch how are you thank you for having us fantastic yeah. it's been on yeah, always, always uh, excited, especially because Mitch, you and I, we we had the chance to actually meet uh, not too long ago and share the stage at the Benzinga Digital Asset Conference. We we got to dig into a little bit of your vision, uh, which I think is uh, really you know ahead of the curve in terms of real estate. You guys have been looking at this for quite a while. I know you got a a background both in real estate, kind of touching it, uh, as well as with blockchain. So tell us, tell us about the vision of Steelway for those who have not heard of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, first off, I thought the event went great. Uh, panel was awesome to be up there with you. But yeah, I mean, my story back in 2017, I founded a volatility trading hedge fund. I was at school. Um, you know, we were basically trading on five to 10 minute hold times just off of AI driven data scrubbing. Um, there was no long term investment thesis per day. Um, so when we graduated, I kind of stepped back and I was like, you know, space needs something an institutional player can scale real assets into. Um, and I turned to my father who runs Stillwave. I was like, look, Barry, if we can utilize this technology to raise you money, A, be first player really doing it, but B, 
it'll open up markets that you previously didn't even know existed, uh, specifically international markets. So we set out to jump into it. Um, Aaron has spent 15 years at Steel Wave. Uh, he came into the Steel Wave Digital Group, and we set off to tokenize a deal starting out. Um, we shortly realized that the market wasn't quite deep enough for the scale that we needed. You know, our smallest deal is about 100 million. Our biggest is somewhere in the billion range. Um, and the market just couldn't add up. So we stepped back and we were like, look, the big market opportunity for international investors wanting U.S.-based commercial real estate. If we set up a fund for them to do that, but give them the option to tokenize their interests, they'd be all about it. And we set out to do it. Um, Aaron, you could probably speak more on the actual market opportunity, but from a 30,000 foot viewpoint, um, we see the space as the future. We see it growing. Um, we want to be on the front edge of it, but we don't think they're necessarily there yet um, for institutional level play. Now, Aaron, you can probably speak on to what Steel Wave is and what that means when I say an institutional level play. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Aaron, I've been with Steel Wave uh, nearly 20 years now, um, and we are West Coast based owner operator predominantly of, of office and life science product in the major tech markets. And we've seen an opportunity here, as Mitch said, to be the, the bridge to bring both institutional investors and institutional quality real estate into the digital ecosystem. So we've got the, the deployment capabilities here to go and acquire US-based real estate uh, to bring into the environment. And I think what we had found, we had dipped our toe in the market here a couple of years ago, that, that most of the ecosystem was, was a retail investor-driven market. And we could not scale our type of investments, I think, within that environment. So we're, we've taken it upon ourselves to um, bring the institutional investors here into the space. And by doing so, uh, we have currently launched a fund that is targeting long-dated leased um, credit-backed office and life science real estate, a complete risk-off strategy that can provide, I think, um, heightened returns given the volatility and disruption we've seen in the commercial real estate market today. And our goal is to bring these um, institutional investors into the space through a traditional vehicle. Uh, and the digital twist that we're offering here is that we're providing our LP investors the option to convert all, none, or some of their LP interest into digital securities that can be traded on a future exchange at, at, at no cost to the LPs today. The, I think that was actually really eloquently put, Aaron, um, that that is in fact, uh, exactly what's happening with the uh, real estate tokenization movement, right? This isn't about creating a whole new new product. You got to bring the same familiar infrastructure, the same you know traditional model to your institutions. But now you enable that option to digitize. Uh, trading, it sounds like, is something that you're you're actually you're hearing as an interest from institutions. So again, makes a lot of sense, Mitch. The blockchain is obviously a big component to this. You're super familiar with the industry. There's a lot of debate uh, and philosophy around how you, you know, approach tokenization. Anything you want to share with the audience about how you're tackling this? Yeah, 
mean, for us, again, we want the front edge of it. And it's really a new market in the fact that it really only came to the scene 2016, 2017. Right? And that's where you start to see real fractionalization of ownership come into what we call tokenization today. Um, for us, we see it as institutional backed investment opportunity being brought to the retail investor, right? Well, if it's already raised, give the institution an option to bring a piece of that to the retail investor. You can't go the other way around. The retail investor won't be able to fill a large deal size like what we're doing. Um, and that's where we kind of flip the script on what everyone was thinking. We we're like, look, there's a huge demand for international money, specifically distressed international money right now, to step into U.S. real estate. So if we can get an opportunity that does that and gives them the option to tokenize, it's a win-win for both angles. Um, and that's really where we see, you know, all the international players see this as the future. They, they understand this, they understand the technology, they know what we're talking about, um, whereas the U.S. does not. The U.S. has fought it. They, the U.S. institutions don't really see this as a future, and I think they're being left in the dust because of that. So for us, you know, we're bridging in a lot of these institutions internationally that want this U.S. exposure. Um, and Aaron, I mean, you speak on what we're seeing from the LP side um, and what, what they really like. No, and I think that's exactly right. There's an absolute void at the moment in the commercial real estate space, you know, both from a debt and equity perspective. Most institutions are on the sidelines. And I think with that, it's created a, a tremendous buying opportunity, specifically right now, uh, to go and deploy this strategy. And the, the groups that we're speaking to overseas uh, are seeing the same thing. And so we're, we're excited to, to bring more capital onshore here into the space. And again, with this digital twist to be on the, the, uh, the front end of bringing institutional real estate into the digital ecosystem. Decades of experience, huge deals, you know, great track record. It's super exciting to hear a firm like yours coming into the space and helping, you know, again, bridge the institution side of it. Any any closing thoughts maybe around any announcements or, or for anyone in touch, what, maybe a timeline on, on when they might be able to take advantage of something like this? Yeah, I mean, we just got regulatory clearance uh, about a week ago, the week we had our conference. Um, and, you know, it's kind of the perfect market opportunity here, right? We're seeing a bunch of volatility. We're seeing price things. We're seeing, you know, things in the market that if you had a consistent cash flow, a risk-off investment, that's something an institution can scale into, right? And, and that kind of mitigates volatility in which we're seeing right now. Um, and the way we're doing this, I think it honestly forced hands of the regulators, right? Like we're providing an investment opportunity that they can run a due diligence package on. They, you know, can check all boxes of what an actual security is. So at the end of the day, it's really no different than any other investment opportunity in the real estate space. It's just this one's utilizing this futuristic technology to raise the money. Um, I'm really, really excited about it. That's amazing. Aaron, did you want to add anything to that? No, we're, we're excited to be here in the space and, and look forward to having more announcements here in the very near future. 
Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. We hope to have you both on the the show again soon uh, with some exciting news, it sounds like, in the near future. With that, uh, we're going to end up the interview here, and we'll get on with the show. Okay, guys, what's happening in the market? If you are living under a rock, then you might not have heard that INX listed uh, the Republic Note, which is a fascinating instrument, leveraging technology, tokenization technology through and through. Uh, we had a great little interview on that, actually, if you want to check it out on YouTube with, with Morgan from Avalanche and Jeff from Republic. Um, but uh, some big news now that it's officially live on INX as of last week. Um, I believe they, they issued on the 6th. So let's go over what I would think is an interesting fact. What was the first day first 24 hours of volume guys it was roughly ninety four thousand dollars with an open Ooh. of 40 cents a high of 50 cents a low of 35 cents and closing at 37 cents in the first day very interesting movement lots of volume i think for for a first day one what do you guys think here direct from from inx here and the close down three cents that was the first thing that that I noticed it obviously has a lot of volume, which is so exciting. I think we want to monitor and see how this does over the next call it week, week and a half. Great to see that there is liquidity in this market and that people are able to redeem these shares. Obviously a super cool portfolio. So I think that it's not going to stay low for too long. Jason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that was originally issued at 36 cents in the primary market. So great that it opened at the 40. Obviously, there was a lot of hype around this and everyone's very excited for this instrument. Um, I think it's a unique one in, in the way that it's structured. Um, and obviously, Republic does come with a lot of that, you know, uh, audience that they're bringing onto the INX platform through this because they're essentially working together for to enable these capital markets to be uh, in, you know, growing. And obviously, we all know about the upcoming acquisition news, at least that they're working through. So it, it speaks towards people's confidence in Republic, but also obviously the fact that they're getting a piece of every company that goes through Republic's platform. So really, really exciting. Curious to see in the next month how trading volumes are impacted on INX as a whole. Uh, now that more investors are coming in essentially as a feeder, if you will, through the note uh, as additional investors come on to, to the INX platform. And as we talked about with this news when it happened, I mean, there's obviously an exciting pathway here for other Republic crowdfunded companies to leverage this same process to be listed. So the hope is that this will be a really great pipeline for future issuers as well. And that's only going to drive more volume, more interest and more investors onto the INX and in the future of the Republic trading platform. Yeah. And then, yeah, Herbert, you got anything else for me or you want to dive into the next next news here? No, I, I, I think you guys all have a great sentiment. But my, my only thought, honestly, is that uh, I think it's really interesting how this uh, gets evaluated by people who are buying the note. Because there's obviously a lot of hype around getting exposure to, to a venture capital-like construct, uh, which is really unique and typically not accessible. But, you know, how many people are actually going in through the entire portfolio and figuring out, hey, exactly when do I think this might return XYZ and then uh, as it results in uh, distributions 
to the to the, the so the note that gets of course capped at two two million I believe and just continuously cycles and pushes out. So you got to really kind of like, in my opinion, try to figure out okay how many times over the next several years do I think this is going to you know and presumably ramp up uh, you know distribution. So it'll be interesting because each distribution that happens will probably also have some kind of a market impact on this instrument in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, so all all just a bunch of fun speculation from my end over here. And into our next piece of news, we have Fireblocks. <clears throat> they are a heavily capitalized company. They've raised quite a bit of money over the years. They've built a successful business in the custody space and they have continued their run of acquisitions, this time buying Blockfold, which is a company that builds smart contract development and does a lot of tokenization work. The goal here is to expand I think the core business of Fireblocks in, in terms of having customization with their, their tokenization services for many of their institutional clients that need a variety of things. In this, the announcement, Fireblocks also noted a 350% increase in tokenization projects that they're working on and anticipates this market to grow to 16 trillion by 2023. Fireblocks also mentioned in the report there they have already delivered over 10 stablecoin projects and are working with banks to issue stablecoins with 25, I guess, additional member banks. So they are driving this CBDC, this stablecoin initiative alongside many of the banking partners that they're working with. They're doing a lot of the blockchain component and development on the back end, and they are continuing with this market and they've seen a lot of success. So guys, Fireblocks, Making an acquisition with Pulsing this month. It's a big acquisition, big acquisition. Uh, and just again, just like we saw with another custody company last week, Copper uh, turned towards tokenization, if you will, in Dubai. Now we have yet another major custody company, a big one, one of the biggest, also really pointing their their focus around tokenization and you know security specifically. So I think it's really great to see this. Uh, further validation and, and uh, again, what I said last week, which was we're going to continue to see more and more crypto companies embrace RWAs, embrace this new tokenized landscape for capital markets. Yep, yep. They're they're going to be offering a lot, you know, uh, in terms of their services, a complete service, uh, anywhere from advisory start to finish all the way through orchestration, distribution through their network. But they are still open to collaborating with everyone. That they haven't already, you know, Bitbond, Securitize, Currency, Tokeny, um, and others for the open uh, tokenization marketplace. So keep that in mind, anyone that's watching this. Um, good to know that Blockfold and Fireblocks do have previous experience working together with the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. Uh, so, and I believe that the team there did give them, you know, some good sentiment into what this acquisition um, is to unfold. But moving on to our next piece of news, we have Exodus announcing the end of its ATS trading. Um, in preparation for their OTC QB listing. So that means that their class A shares on T0 securities ATS and the securitized markets ATS will both stop trading by the end uh, or by the close of trading today, Monday, December 11, 2023. So uh, what does this mean? You know, obviously anyone on securitized, they are the transfer agent. So you're already good. You're the, you're the record name holder of the, of the securities here. And T0 holders, you guys will be transferred over to the securitized transfer agent to also then be the direct record holders uh, for the uh, Exodus uh, common uh, stock here, the Class A shares. 
Uh, so, you know, Exodus is a company that we've referred to a lot, guys, in the past. You know, they did a lot on with their reggae and whatnot. Uh, they're a great example there. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what this announcement means for the investors, for the issuer themselves, and, of course, the ATSs. This is disappointing. I think that uh, Exodus was the first Reggae Plus offering to do a full $75 million fundraise. They then listed this platform. Um, th this was a great use case for retail driving the market for a lot of other issuers. I know that they got a lot of positive coverage and it's driven a lot of interest in this market. So it's unfortunate to see that they were unable to figure out a way to do a dual listing on both the OTC markets as well as on these ATS platforms like we've seen from companies like T0 that has dual listed their asset on OTC markets. INX has also figured out a solution to around some of these problems. So it is disappointing, I think, to see a token come off, especially one that's done so well. Um, but I think it's only time will tell how this will perform and it'll be an interesting use case. I mean, if they can drive more liquidity through OTC markets, then that's going to be something interesting to pay attention to. And if they can't, it's also, I think, a good feather in the cap for tokenization. So only time will tell, I think, on that one. Good example of, uh, you know, uh, traditional markets merging in that this is not going to be just a full zero to one off chain to on chain. We're going to see a lot of hybrid tokenization in order to patchwork our way into a fully on chain ecosystem. So, you know, I think OTC markets is playing a, uh, an important role in at least trying to create liquidity. It sounds what would be most interesting to see is are there, you know, funds and, and market players and, you know, the, the, the way OTC markets work and leveraging that licensing that they have to be able to plug into all of these different uh, groups and other brokers. It'll be interesting to see if that that really brings in a, a whole lot of new interest potentially to this product. So we'll, we'll have some some eyes on Exodus, no doubt. With that, I think we can get to our last bit of uh, news uh, around uh, the market, specifically around SockGen, Societe Generale, one of the biggest banks in the world, if you haven't heard of them. But if you watch the show consistently, you'll know that their Forge division uh, is extremely active in this space, right? They've been doing a lot of pioneering. Uh, they've won our company of the week many times. Uh, and it's because they are constantly doing amazing things. And on the topic of green bonds, which we discussed earlier on the episode with Hitachi, uh, they are also issuing a digital green bond, this time as you know, a security token, of course, on the Ethereum blockchain. So the bond, which is worth 10 million euros, uh, it's structured to finance eligible green activities under SockGen's framework. They expect this to be a step towards using blockchain for ESG data transparency and certification, just like we discussed uh, with what, what Hitachi was working on with um, uh, JPM, or J sorry, the, J the Japanese stock exchange, as well as the um, Nomura. And then finally, uh, for SockGen, they believe that the this includes a very novel innovation like 24-7 carbon footprint information uh, accessible in the smart contract. Uh, so interesting data to be adding on the smart contract level. Uh, and then the bond issue is part of SockGen's efforts to integrate everything uh, on their debt capital markets uh, into digital instruments. So a huge movement. Uh, big deal, guys. Another green bond on the market. SockGen, once again, active. Uh, again, another leader in the bond tokenization space. 
Yeah, I think this is exciting. And honestly, to, to second on that, SockGen also launched another project. So not only was this green bond an amazing innovation, again, launching another tokenized debt instrument, but they also are taking the stable coin, which is presumably being used to settle this whole entire bond structure and pay out dividends and handle the entire back office plumbing of this issuance. They're actually listing that on to an exchange. So their EURCV, their Euro stablecoin, which is exactly what they're using to settle this bond, is actually going to be listed on Bitstamp, which is a crypto exchange. So the stablecoin has full KYC AML capacities, and they're actually launching it on for anybody to be able to purchase and use. And as far as I know, guys, this is the first institutionally issued stablecoin that is retail available on a crypto platform. So this, I think, really completes the life cycle from start to finish in terms of onboarding users into this ecosystem, the retail users who then can get exposure to the stablecoin in a safe way. And then that same stablecoin is being used to settle the institutional vehicles at the top level. So I think this is really cool to see SockGen just really understanding from soup to nuts how to leverage all the technology and very exciting to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, both great pieces of news. I think you guys are going to cover the map on them. Uh, but, you know, as we all know, in the green ESG area, I mean, there's it, it's been fragmented in the past. It's great to see new innovations here, as you guys talked about, full life cycle coming on chain. But with that, we will be transitioning over to another interview with Ed Nowakity from Red Swan to expand on the news we covered earlier on their $4 billion portfolio tokenization project coming from the GCC area. So join us over in the STS interviews. All right. Well, we're back with another Security Token Show interview. We just talked on the token debrief about the exciting news coming from Red Swan. They're tokenizing $4 billion worth of real estate onto the blockchain. And we're joined today with Ed Nwakadi from the team to give us his perspective directly on this exciting news. Ed, how are you this morning? Jason, doing great. Thanks for having me. I love this uh, new setting you guys have. This is wonderful. Oh, we appreciate it. You know, we, we love to accommodate for everyone to be able to come on and give their direct perspective. And we're lucky to have you today. Um, so diving right into this piece of news here, you know, tell us what's so exciting about this specific real estate portfolio that you guys are now involved in. Well, it's exciting because it's the largest uh, single portfolio transaction uh, going on chain. Uh, this happens to be outside the United States in, in the GCC, which is really the Middle East, uh, many countries in the Middle East. Uh, that's a very a rapidly growing community. Um, and so therefore putting this on channel, letting the whole world be able to participate in this $4 billion assignment uh, gives us a lot of uh, excitement because, you know, it's uh, they're really leading, I think, the market and the world in terms of uh, digital assets. Um, their laws have been passed in order to create uh, digital stable coins for their community citizens, but also they're really actively embracing uh, tokenization as an asset class for real estate. So we're excited about that whole market. And this is just the first of many to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a growing region. And I do want to talk about that a little bit later on, but let, let's talk, dive a little bit deeper into the portfolio itself. You know, what, what does this portfolio consist of um, and how did you guys make it up? Uh, this is like 36 assets and uh, basically it's broken up into stabilized assets. Um, they're part of the assets are going to be multifamily, um, office, retail, 
And we also have what we call uh, infrastructure industrial. Uh, that is, um, you know, certain large farms that are producing uh, uh, livestock, you know, feed for the livestock, also fish uh, for the whole region of the GCC. Uh, so yeah, we, we're, there's a yeah, pretty much a pretty big mix here, which is great for investors because you're really buying into the growth, uh, diversified growth of that entire region. Absolutely. And this, you know, it's, first of all, for anyone that's not directly involved in real estate, it's very hard to pick any given individual asset to see, Hey, what's going to do well. Um, especially if you don't know the market. So this is interesting, right? You're, you're able to participate into a diversified portfolio in a region that m most investors maybe are not privy to. Um, so you guys are doing the hard work here and it's really exciting. Tell us about, you know, we mentioned here, there's 20% prime development sites. Tell us a little bit more about the growth in the region and why this 20% is so important to the portfolio. Yeah, well, the 20% is important because, you know, the, like I said, 80% is stabilized, so it's generating good profits and uh, good yield right now. But the 20% are really strategic land sites that they own um, outright, no debt. And they're going to build high-rise developments, mixed-use developments on those land sites. So our investors get to come in on the ground floor of those developments, and that gives you a much higher return at the end of the day when they become stabilized. So it's a, a great way to have instant uh, income day to day from you know the stabilized assets, but also having a higher income from the assets that they develop on those uh, land sites. So you're essentially getting in a little bit early on these land sites. I think CBRE reported what $1.4 trillion worth of a pipeline to, to be developed. Is that right? Yeah, the Middle East is one of the fastest growing markets for development. Uh, 1.4 trillion is uh, the pipeline for new developments for the next three years. That's a lot of capital and that's a lot of development. Uh, but you got to look at Saudi Arabia is having the World Cup, also a uh, expo right. in place. So they need hospitality projects. They need you know lots of projects for uh, infrastructure. And so you know money. Uh, they have capital. But they're now looking for bringing outside capital into the market, which is one of the things that they've never done before. Uh, but I think looking at what's happened in Dubai, how foreign direct investments were so successful there, that entire region has kind of taken a play from that book. Very cool. Very cool. And what has your experience been working with White Rocks Holding? They're the uh, sponsor essentially behind this project and they give you guys the rights to be able to tokenize it. What's that been like and how does this project uh, potentially, uh, you know, give us any insight into future developments as well in, in terms of tokenizing more assets? Uh, they're a great company. Uh, we work with them now. It's been the relationship has been close to a year. Uh, it took a long time. They actually finalized it, the transaction, but uh, got a chance to get to know them get to know their vision. Uh, they're very active in developing an entire region. Um, and so they're working with many, many countries in the region to develop infrastructure projects and all this, you know, they're looking to raise capital from outside sources um, rather than use the same internal sources they used before. So a great time for Americans and as well as other foreign citizens to get involved in the development of the Middle East and Africa um, and working with a company that has a great reputation. Very cool. So hopefully we can expect expect them to tokenize even more after this portfolio. But this is already a significant amount. I mean, in terms of Red Swan standing here, you guys have already tokenized five billion dollars, as we've mentioned before. Now you're adding another four just like that. Um, two things. I think one, it speaks towards the fact that, um, you know, with tokenization, you're not creating new value as you would in crypto. You're essentially taking an asset that already has value and you're just putting it on chain. 
Um, but the fact that you are putting it on chain speaks for its red swans uh, standing here in terms of, you know, where you guys are in the real estate tokenization market. Um, and you guys are expanding, it sounds like, or not even sounds like, it looks like you are, are expanding elsewhere to other regions. Uh, what can we expect Red Swan to be doing next year? Well, I'm, we are expanding because, you know, this recent trip we had uh, overseas uh, to Korea, to Singapore and the Middle East uh, was eye-opening with the amount of demand that we're seeing in those markets. Uh, many of the property owners and also governments uh, would like to have tokenization as a way to capitalize some of their major infrastructure projects as well as development. So uh, we were well welcomed in that market. I mean, we were put into Economist Magazine, for example, but uh, we're gonna be there. We're gonna actually expand our footprint in the Middle East because you know, our client is uh, very active in developing there, but we also see opportunities in uh, Southeast Asia and Africa as well. So yeah, keep a uh, lookout. We want to continue to grow our pipeline because we think that it all starts with the real estate first as an asset class and then bring on all the investors. But we want to make sure there's enough content uh, to satisfy every level of investor. Absolutely. Lots of exciting uh, things in the pipeline for you, for you guys, I'm sure. Um, and we do dive a little deeper into this, by the way. We are we did do a full interview with Ed, which you can find on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's you know over 40 minutes long, and there's a surprise teaser trailer in there for the portfolio. So definitely go check it out on the STM YouTube. Um, Ed, with all this growth that's happening with Red Swan, and, and now you guys are expanding, bring on a lot more assets on chain. How can people potentially participate on that upside? You know, Red Swan's upside. Well, you know, we are raising capital right now. We have our Reg CF for this outstanding, putting together a $5 million raise. I believe that, you know, we need capital to keep growing. You see, we're using the capital very wisely. Uh, we want to be the next BlackRock of digitalized real estate around the world. And we're going to do that by growing our, our base of personnel uh, and reach into more of these markets. You need, have to have people on ground in markets to really expand. And that means we need to employ more people for Red Spawn to keep this growth. I'm, I'm very happy for what we've done so far on the budget we have, but I think by bringing out more capital, this next raise will take us, you know, hopefully the 25, 30 trillion dollar, billion dollars of assets on management. I'm getting ahead of myself, but our, our, <laughs> our five-year five outlook, outlook is in the trillions. So I think that it's very possible. Absolutely. We'll have people check it out at redswan.io slash invest if you're interested in checking out the opportunity. Um, as you guys are seeing here, Red Swan is actively putting assets on chain, new clients, and a lot more expansion room for early next year. So Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, everyone, if you want to check the full length interview, go to STM's YouTube channel uh, to, to check that out. And with that, thank you, Ed. We're going to head on over back to the studio. What another great show, Kyle. What another great show. We couldn't end it with our companies of the week, though. Isn't that right? That's totally right. This was a tough week, I think, because we did have some great winners. And uh, I think there's one certainly that stands above the top. Did you want to lead us off with your choice, Herwick? I mean, I, I think that's because uh, we're, we're talking about SockGen's Forge division, you know, doing two big things, uh, you know, listing on Bitstamp their, their stable coin, as well as issuing that green-based technology, folks. This is when we're talking about, of course, revolutionizing all capital markets. Each asset has its own unique features and issues. Uh, and of course, they all can leverage tokenization in a, a unique way to benefit that. In this case, 24-7 carbon 
footprint tracking as well as potentially other related you know features around you know carbon credit tracking and, and other things this is all very very important uh given that we're talking about the planet at the end of the day and this all has an impact on asset value how people evaluate bonds uh, as well as make their investments so naturally putting this data on chain uh, which means wink wink for the future there will actually be smart contracts uh, that will be able to read that as well as then you can basically react to changes in the carbon footprint uh, basically automatically rebalance your portfolio what a cool concept i see where they're headed um so gotta give sock gens forza vision my company of the week kyle uh, i believe we've given it to them already several times uh but we you know for this this week it, it just took the cake yeah, no, I think this is a great choice. And it's it's really, really impressive how it does feel like almost every week they have a new announcement, a, a new product that they're launching, a new development. It's it's really, really great to see how much they've adopted this. And I mean, it makes total sense, right? Once you wrap your head around the technology, once you have some of the infrastructure in place and can see the, the cost of capital benefits to issuing and leveraging this technology, why would you go back to the traditional system? It really makes total sense, but it's exciting to see they've totally gotten that message. What about you, Kyle? What's your company of the week? My company of the week this week, I think I want to make it Fireblocks. And Fireblocks is a custody platform. They've built a ton of technology for the industry. They've been in the space for quite some time now, and they've, I think, very successfully pivoted into launching all kinds of CBDC projects, all kinds of stablecoin projects with institutions, as well as been pretty instrumental in building the technology required to actually facilitate a lot of these debt instruments that we're talking about for these banks and institutions. On top of that, the news this week of them acquiring a new smart contract development firm and, and mentioning that they are up 350% in smart contract development projects means that there are more and more institutions coming in. And without somebody like Fireblocks to help make it happen, it would be very tough for a lot of these banks that are first, certainly less familiar with the technology to understand the applications. So without Fireblocks' effort in the space, I think it would be tough to onboard all these institutions. So really love what they're doing as well. Critical infrastructure makes a lot of sense. You know, you had to put a spotlight on them, I think. So I'm glad you chose them. With that, that's our show, Kyle. Again, another week of just everything, man. Bonds, real estate, markets. Thanks to the folks from Steelwave and Red Swan for their insights, as well as everything else that's happening in the industry. You can catch it at stm.co. Uh, please, anything you want to be hearing about, let us know. Kyle and I were available on social media. Reach out to us. Like, subscribe, share, let the word out about tokenization. Uh, with that, we'll catch you, as always, every week on Mondays with the Security Token Show. Happy tokenizing.